Blog Welcome, Talk Radio. Welcome one, welcome all. Welcome back to DNP, uh, delivering the truth about finances today. My name is Paul Dayton, and I'll be joined briefly by my co-host, Diana, and together we are DNP, delivering the truth and exposing the lies. Uh, we'll cover a variety of topics today, as per usual, uh, but the a few things we can expect today are to discuss this new type of money, this internet money, this electronic money. Uh, People have other names for it. It's just a different form of currency. And we're gonna talk about that briefly. Should you get excited about it? Should you be afraid about it? Uh, What should you do? Uh, Another thing we're gonna discuss, I think, is health insurance. It's another important personal finance uh, decision that people make. Uh, We're going to talk about the 401k plan, saving for retirement. Uh, Is it a good idea? Is it a bad idea? Better ideas? Uh, What can we do? Uh, And then we'll probably touch a little bit on real estate today. Uh, Investment, uh, just looking at it as an investment, as a type of investment. We talk about the 401k plan. We'll inevitably get into the limitations of the 401k or what's called an IRA, uh, what's called a tax-advantaged retirement account. It restricts the person to only stocks, bonds, and cash. So it restricts them to only those three varieties of money, varieties of investments, which may seem fine at the beginning, but we're going to explore it. And we'll probably, I think you'll find, as I do, that the fact, the evidence dictates the conclusion that as you move along in your career, as you want to move along in your career, um, it it will not be sufficient. And now we have Diana uh, joining us. Diana, are you with us? I'm with you, and it's so weird to have somebody else controlling the switchboard. And actually, it's kind of nice. It frees me up a little bit, and I appreciate that. I missed you last week. We missed you on the show. We missed you on the show. The listeners all missed you very much. I'm sure I got lots of emails saying, hey, what? Where's that lady? We like her better. Uh, (laughs) <laughs> yeah, I, I doubt it. Except for the hate mail. And you know what? You can love us. That's great. If you hate us, that's even better. So, um, yeah, I was out of town. And um, and then I had just, it was a busy two weeks. So there was just no way I was going to be able to make it last week. And I appreciate you covering. I listened to you. Well, thanks for listening, and um, thanks for being back. So it is, it's tough flying solo. It is, it is a tough gig. Um, on the one hand, you get all the airtime you want, and on the other hand, it's like, like I had, for example, uh, my voice got kind of dry after I was talking for so long, uh, sort of uninterrupted, and I needed just like a drink of water, and it was like six seconds, only six seconds, but six of the longest seconds of dead air, <laughs> you know, and uh, <laughs> It's nice. Right. It is That's nice. That's why I always keep a cup of herbal tea yeah. near me for us nudie ones, right? Cup of herbal tea. <laughs> so I, I think before, you know, obviously we're doing a show tonight on finances. Um, and this, you know, this is going to be a really important topic for people. I mean, I, I don't think there might be one person unless you're part of the 300 elite that are not worried about your finances right now you know, given the inflation, given the cost of things. But before we do that, um, I kind of want to update some, you know, 
some headlines. You know, I like to talk about the headlines, and that really is a, a highlight of our show. People like to find out what's going on or what has happened. Yeah, go you ahead. Ah, oh, I'm okay. here. Yeah, go, go ahead. Well, I'm just trying to find it, actually, trying to find our our Facebook page here because sometimes I just pull stuff off on that. Uh, so, well, let's hear. I'll do, while you're finding it, I'll give you a second. I'll buy you a few seconds here and uh, simply tell people a few things. Number one, if you want to call into the show, whether it's simply to listen on your phone or if you want to speak to us, there is a phone number. It's, uh, the phone number to call in is 319-527-6208. That's 319-527-6208. You're listening to us on Freedomizer Radio. Uh, our podcasts are available on iHeart and other places, and you can find every episode of DNP uh, cataloged at pauldayton.us, where you can also find other articles. And um, But every episode of this show, just go to the page, DNP Episode Archive, and they'll find every single episode there with a link to the podcast and subject matter. So uh, check us out that way. Okay, go ahead, Diana. Blog Talk Radio and also the episodes are always posted on our Facebook page too. So uh, speaking of finances and Biden economics, as people like to call it, uh, he came out uh, on Twitter today and he said that his administration is canceling all the remaining oil and gas leases issued under the last administration in the Arctic refuge and proposing to protect 13 million acres in the Western Arctic. There's more to do, but we're taking action to meet the moment for future generations. Well, seeing that they're burning stuff down, they're not really worried about the environment, but so now he's going to cancel um, the remaining oil and gas leases out that way. Uh, What do you think that's going to do to the price of gas? That's a rhetorical question, by the way. Yeah, I'll give the listeners a hint. If you restrict the supply artificially, you're going to artificially blank the price. It's either increase or decrease, and it's not difficult to know that, of course, it's going to be an artificial. That is, even if the price fell for other factors, it would be lower if the U.S. was uh, contributing to an expansion of the availability of supply. So they're deliberately, deliberately cutting back, number one, on the amount of, of gas available in oil available, uh, mm-hmm. so that the price up. But number two, and this is a tricky bit, in the immediate term, it does make this country more dependent on others and more vulnerable to their win. But this is a, this is a tough bit. If, if you really are of the mind out there in the world that you think this thing is, this stuff is running out and it's going to be a matter of scrambling for the last remaining uh, bits of oil and things, if you have for any reason <laughs> suspected that that's going to be the case, then wouldn't it make more sense to sit back and hold what you have? Um, now, there's no evidence I've ever seen that 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 uh, substantiates fear of, of of a dwindling supply or a supply that's going to wane, you know, anytime that's going to be a problem. But it is a tricky bit. So the, the the politicians never say anything about holding back, so we can later come back and be the kings of, uh, or king or queen or whatever of oil in the world. They seem to just be doing it for the sake of creating perpetual, quote, crises, end quote, uh, so that they can always cash in with their, quote, health, end quote. And it's probably exactly what they're doing at this time. Yeah, well, and, you know, of course, their push for 
the electric vehicles and, you know, getting rid of the gas stoves or trying to do these things, you know, which is part of the whole Green New Deal agenda that they're, that they're pushing on us. And, you know, that's a, that's a reality happening. Absolutely. And what they're doing is they're concocting an industry out of thin air. So they're taking, you know, populist redistributive movements, I call them the autoimmune disease of political movements, because they attack what is good as though it were bad. However, they also do something worse than that. They protect what is bad as though it were good. And in this case, so they're attacking something that is good, right? The, the gas and oil industry, which, I mean, in, in uh, well, let's see what you wrote now, in about a century and a half, has elevated improved the lives of so many in America and around the world, it's particularly the least money piece. Do you realize that, that uh, get, uh, develop, drilling for oil and developing it in its various products like kerosene, but first kerosene was, was the big thing, not gasoline. Kerosene uh, lit lamps all over this country. The Rockefeller, uh, the Standard Oil was his company. What they did was to improve the quality and reduce the price such that People who before, up to that moment in time, so this is the third quarter of the 19th century, had been, have lived under the tyranny of the sun, right, the, the rays of the sun in terms of when it was light for them and when it was dark, when they could do reading and so forth. I mean, you have some candles. These kerosene lamps made, made it cheap and high quality and safe so that people, even without much money, particularly the least money people, could extend their working hours indoors if they had some kind of indoors kind of a shop or something. They could read uh, whenever they once the sun went down and, and so forth. They didn't have to strain their eyes in the dark. It improved their lives. They could live like the, quote, rich used to be able to do, thanks to the oil and gas industry. And, of course, as time went on, we had automobiles, uh, the tremendous benefits. I mean, think about it. People who for, for thousands of years never traveled more than like a couple of dozen miles one way and then came back in their life. Like if you went, you know, 20 miles in a, in a direction, you more, most likely were not coming back. And if you were, it was going to be a long time. It was going to be tough, a tough road. Automobiles came along, the transportation of supplies to people to this day, like medical supplies, food, uh, and people, and the transportation of human beings, all the stuff you need. Uh, was made so much better, easier, and cheaper thanks to the oil and gas industry, thanks to the development of the automobile industry. This has elevated the masses. This has elevated the proletariat, or whatever you want to call it, for, for, for a long time, and now it's being attacked as though it was bad. It totally, it's wholly perverse, and so they're concocting, like Diana mentioned, this push of what's called the green energy, the green new deal, the electric everything, because they're just contriving this thing out of thin air. A handful of gangsters got, got together, mobsters, whatever you want to call these people, and they used the leverage so power has been concentrated to the hands of the few more and more since the New Deal, uh, so that the government now, particularly the federal government in Washington, D.C., has so much leverage, so much control and power. And so the people who happened to hold that power got together and said, okay, here's what we're going to do. We're going to out of thin air, make ourselves all filthy rich, and we're going we're gonna to urinate all over these people, the masses, uh, as we do so. We're going to take away everything good, force this bad stuff on them. It's more expensive. It's not as well. We're going to fix something that isn't broken in the first place, and we're going to make ourselves all rich in the meantime, and that's precisely what's going on. Over to you, Diana. 
Yeah. Yeah. Yep. I mean, everything you said there was just right. It was right. So I I just want to keep going on some of the things that are going on, switch gears a little bit before we go back to finance part of things. Um, As if the jab and the spike protein wasn't enough to have to think about, they're coming out with a um, new aerosol vaccine. So a COVID-19 mRNA aerosol vaccine. It can infect a host without their consent. So in other words, Maybe they're going to start, you know, our show on the chemtrail. Remember that one? Sure. What are they going to do? Put this in, 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 into, the, into the planes and shoot it out on us, and we'll have no choice but to breathe it in? So they're saying no needles are required, and the developers at Yale University hmm, say this could revolutionize how we distribute vaccines in the future. Scary thought. Honestly. It is frightening, or it is alarming, and I, I, you know, I regret ever since. It's like anything. Like as soon as the show is over, then I'm the time to like listen to it a few times. It's been agonized. It's like sports, right? The coach is never happy even after a win. Right? We could have always done something better. Uh, and so, and I, like, I really wish we would have asked Russ, and I hope we'll have him on again in the future if he can make time for us in the next few months here, because uh, he's an important person and he does important work. Um, but I forgot. So they're pushing this thing because it's, it's presidential election season. The COVID monster is wow. being back out of, of retirement, right? And I call it the COVID monster derisively. It's sort of like the cookie monster. Like, it's supposed to be this big, scary thing, and you get up close to it, and it's just this, like, soft little puppet. Yeah, that's that's that's, every time you say that, that's what I think of as the cookie monster. I just look at that, that big blue guy. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, that's what I'm going for, right? And he said, I like cookies. Whoop, whoop, whoop. Let's be friends. Like, this is not scary. Like, why are you afraid of this? Uh, so, but anyway, so I, I was thinking of him, if he detected anything, so like, are they trying to infect, because some people do legitimately get, I mean, there were some people who were legitimately hospitalized and legitimately sick uh, the last go around when they, when they pulled this thing. Um, and so, but however, the overwhelming majority of people were just fine. So they're doing something, there's some kind of food business going on. And yeah, I, I would, I would like, like Diana just posited, uh, I, I'm with you. I'm of a like mind. Is this how they're doing it? Are they dropping something on people so that certain people mm-hmm. maybe now would be worse this time? Because now everyone took these experimental drugs, experimental flu shots called vaccines. Vaccine means immune, yeah. folks out there. You don't know. Vaccine, what the word means is that it's something that provides immunity. That means once you take your shot for the COVID monster, you're supposed to be immune. If it's the safe, effective, the thing you need to do to protect yourself and everybody else on earth, if if you need to keep taking them over and over and over and over and over again, that means none of them are vaccines. That's what that means. Right. Uh, But, yeah, I wonder if the experimental drugs people have been shot up with and taking is going to make them more vulnerable to whatever these people are putting out. It could be be from the chemtrail. It could be something in the food. It, it could be something else like that. Yeah, I, I think you're right. I think you're on the right. Uh, you're on the right track uh, in terms yeah. of the most logical thing to expect. Yeah, it's it's hard to trust anything. I mean, in the water. I mean, who knows? You know. I mean, uh, everybody that you know, even has a pineal gland left, knows that fluoride is not good for you. You know. So you know, why do we need fluoride in our water? And they, they, you know, they bombarded that into us since we've been kids. Oh, you got to get a fluoride treatment at the dentist. Fluoride is a neurotoxin. 
you know, and they're, and they're still putting it in our water. So, you know, the best bet is, is drink distilled, you know, because people think, oh, you need the minerals from the water. Uh, not really. Not really. You could supplement with minerals, but minerals also, you know, minerals also calcify in the body. So we don't need as much minerals as people think. But uh, so, yeah, and you were talking about the COVID monster. Oh, and that actually, that kind of reminds me when we were talking about uh, minerals and things depositing in the body. Um, that zeolite that I talk about every week, uh, which helps chelate the heavy metals in the body, um, you can go and you can order that at hopehealth.thegoodinside.com. So it's H-O-P-E health dot the good inside dot com and and that's not the only thing that's on this site this is where i order my stuff from because people say oh where do you get your supplements from um most of them come from here because i know the source i trust the source um their greens are growing in greenhouses so they're not exposed to the elements um and they're there's a whole bunch of good stuff um and they just came out with a new product too it's called gluco control so um it's kind of like a blood sugar support um, which I guess is getting phenomenal results. Uh, you know, I'm sure it's got a little bit of chromium or whatever in it. I haven't looked into it too much, but I did see some of the reviews, and um, I guess that it's it's going quite well with that. So you can order a bottle of that. So instead of getting your Starbucks for the week, think about doing something healthy and get a bag of greens instead. Hmm. Huh. What do you think? Sounds good. HopeHealth.TheGoodInside.com. And, and coming soon, that'll be, there'll be a link to that on PaulDayton.com in the DMP uh, show section of the website so that people can go. You know, my, my website is sort of coming a, uh, a sort of de facto website for the show in a way, uh, which I suppose is good. It's a place people can go all the time. And the show is also on Facebook, as Diana mentioned. They have a, we have a Facebook page where you can catch uh, upcoming shows. You can catch, I mean, we have links to past shows there. Uh, as well as all kinds of stuff. Diana, like Diana, Diana keeps it full. Diana keeps it full. I post some stuff. Like I write article. I, I put out articles uh, routinely, and I'll put stuff on there. So we keep it full, and it's something you can do. I, I used to call. I call Facebook "Kill Ten Minutes" book. So when you need to yeah. kill ten minutes out there in your life, when you're waiting uh, at the supermarket or for the doctor or whatever you're doing, you're killing ten minutes on Facebook. Uh, feed your head. You know, there's some stuff uh, on the DNP uh, page that will feed your head. Some, you know, I call it. It's like it's like when you take um, there's certain kinds of books, and some of them are called nonfiction, but they're nonfiction in the way that a Hollywood movie is like based on a true story, right? Like there's it's nonfiction. There's there's three facts in the whole. The book's 200 pages. There's three facts in the whole book, and the rest of it just sprung from the imagination of one or more writers. The same way a Hollywood movie. So there really was a guy named Bob who lived in Indiana once. That part's true. And the entirety of the rest of the, of the 90 minutes sprung from the imagination of one or more writers. That's junk food, right? That's intellectual junk food, intellectual empty calories. Whereas you have nonfiction books that are filled with like fact after proof, after data table, after evidence. After, those, those are uh, intellectual superfoods, right? When they call something a superfood, it's something that has like packed with nutrients and vitamins and whatever, everything good. And so we try to make our Facebook page sort of uh, closer to the superfood than, than to junk food. Uh, and we try to keep the show that way, too. And, uh, by the way, I thank every listener for listening, uh, devoting your attention to us. Well, however amount, whatever amount it is, if you tune in for 10 minutes, you tune in for the whole show, something different. We know you have a million and one options out there. It's 
easy to find stuff. And uh, I thank everybody for devoting their attention to us, whatever attention they do devote to us. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and, um, you know, if, if you're lucky enough to get people to see your stuff on Facebook, you know, that's the other thing because they are they're really picking up on the censoring now. And, you know, I went through this at last election when I had that large Facebook group um, of 35,000 people, and they shut that down because we were talking about, you know, election fraud and whatnot. And, um, you know, they're starting to do, you know, this censoring stuff again. So, but, um, you know, and sometimes Facebook is just a place for keyboard warriors that people don't have time to say shit to your face. They'll put it on Facebook. So it's an amateur site for the most part, but it it could be fun. So anyway, more, (laughs) more current news. Let's see. Yeah, it was, was it? It was a week. Yeah, so and, and we have a, a couple of exciting shows coming up, too, and um, I'm working on getting some guests, but, you know, you know what my life has been like for the last two weeks with, with um, those other things. So Carolina will not comply with COVID mandates. So they came out and said they were not going to comply with COVID mandates. So good for that governor. Let's see if they actually follow through with it. So, so, and by the way, so, so what you're saying is that, I mean, what you're, what Diana is pointing out is not unique to South Carolina. I, I myself, Diana's more in the headlines than I am. I kind of spend most of my time like reading about things that happened a thousand years ago. Uh, but the, I do catch a few headlines as I, as I go about the world. And I noticed that so, so this thing is, it's all political posture. It's just a political football. Uh, the same way that, like, think about, like, black people, black, they're not just racism, black in particular, in the southeast, in a particular just pocket of the country, there was a legitimate problem between blacks and whites mm-hmm. in which black people were being mistreated on a large basis, and that went on for a few decades, uh, which is true. Now, it's, it's important for people to note that since the end of the Civil the American Civil War, if you don't know this, I covered this some in my first book, uh, but you can find it elsewhere. Uh, there really wasn't a big problem, right? This thing got ratcheted up once it became kind of a political issue, once they were forcing people uh, to, like, in other words, people were just kind of doing what they pleased. Like, black people were living where they, where they wanted to for the most part. Black people or white people lived where they wanted to for the most part. Those were the two most predominant skin tones at the time. So there really wasn't a big problem. The black people as a class, as a whole, statistically, were coming along fine were making great advances all by themselves. And then all of a sudden, politicians wanted to fix something that wasn't broken or take credit for some good that had already been done independent of them. Uh, and they started meddling in this, and all of a sudden, people started digging their heels in. They started, you know, making political gestures. And it, and it became a problem. And it became, really came to a head uh, during the mid-century after the Second World War. Uh, but then it got solved. Everything is like for for over half a century or approximately half a century. Like this is solved. People are not you know being told where they have to live because of hate or malice or prejudgment due to their variety of skin tone. They might be behaving that way because their television or or something you know the, the race industry provoked them into feeling a certain way. But when you have to go around policing little words and things like you say the word like Negro or colored person or person who's colored. Uh, and the, like that's the big problem. That is a confession that there is no actual problem. There is not an actual problem where people are, uh, in large, to a large degree, being being killed or hurt 
because of their, their, you know, variety of skin tone. In the same way, the COVID monster is now becoming this political issue and people are digging in their, 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 their heels, they're sort of grandstanding. And it's not, I mean, it's a problem. This is what happened the first time too in 2020 because when they com- those who are choosing to comply with the fiction that the COVID monster is this horrible thing and, you know, and all that, uh, and that like shutdowns are going to help you with, with your life, like being forbidden from producing while we escalate the money supply simultaneously is not a deliberate, uh, is not a deliberate recipe for inflation and hardship. No, 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 no. This is to help you. People are going to do that. It's, the, the amount of suffering, and think about the suffering that's happening today. I mean, right now, we are experiencing the, the communist riot inflation, the COVID summer riot inflation. That's what this inflation right. is. It's not because of a legitimate medical problem. It's because of the shutdown. The shutdowns are the virus, and they're costing life years, life years. So that is for every amount of, of, of uh, poverty or less money, right, that uh, is inflicted upon an individual or a household their life expectancy go, is reduced, along with the child, their, in, their risk of, of uh, being you know, domestic, domestically abused, abused in the home, increases, which also reduces their lifespan, according to the, uh, the actuarial tables used by life insurance companies. And this is something that Scott Atlas, MD, Scott, Dr. Scott Atlas, and a partner came out with during the spring of 2020. You can all find it online. Um, you can hear him go around with a million talks about it, and as time went on with more and more data. So the, the shutdowns are the virus, compliance with nonsense is the virus. And I do hope that as Washington, because obviously we, Joe Biden's in the White House, folks. Like, what, the message from the White House is going to be the COVID, you know, comply with the nonsense, comply with the fiction, shut down everything. Uh, you, you should be poor forever uh, for your own good. That's going to be the message out of the way. As, as that becomes more and more intense as the summer goes on and we get into the fall of, of next year, I would like, I hope these governors hold firm and just ignore it. Uh, but that'll be the test. In other words, what I'm saying is it took a long time to say, it's nice for them to say that now. Let's see how it is once they start doing this shit. Um, right. But uh, I mean, there were, over to you. There were- States too, I think it's the United States that came out. Um, I can't think of what they all are at the top of my head, but of course, Florida being one of them that said that they will not require masks for school. You know, they will not enforce that, which as it should be. You know, these kids shouldn't be wearing uh, maxi pads on their faces. Just shouldn't. But uh, in speaking of schools, the uh, New York City schools are enrolling 20 thousand migrants and the the kicker about this whole thing is none of them have to show proof of vaccination okay so back in 2019 and i've said this before lots of times when 26,000 kids got uh, kicked out of school because they eliminated the religious exemption in new york state and they had to either homeschool move which yes or um, vaccinate your kid to send them back. That was all fine and good. Nobody gave a shit about those 26,000 families. But here we are, um, 20,000 migrants are going to be stuck in school and not required to show proof of vaccination. I mean, that is just hypocrisy at its finest. Sorry to tell you. 
migrants. Who could forget? Who could forget uh, the day that in 1938, when Adolf Hitler and the National Socialists immigrated into Poland, <laughs> and, and the inhospitable, xenophobic treatment they received when the Polish retaliated with their oppressive war weapons? A migrant? Are you kidding me? These people are illegal invaders. When you enter a country either by sleuth or by force, against the will and against the laws of said country, you are, that's an, it's called an invasion. It's not, who, who, could, who could forget when, when the Allied forces immigrated to the beaches of Normandy during the Second World War? I mean, this is, which one is it? Either, either they're both immigration or, one, or, or they're both not immigration, right? You can have one or you can have the other. Uh, folks, it's the top of the hour. Uh, we're going to do a couple of commercials here. We'll be right back at you in the flash. You're listening to D&P, Delivering the Truth, and we're going to talk about uh, probably some more headlines. We'll get into some personal finance after this. If you want to give us a call, the call, the number is 319-527-6208. Hang tight. We'll be back in the flash. Back in four. Please check out the Barefoot is Legal radio show right here on Saturdays, 1.30 p.m. to 3 p.m. Eastern Time, that is 10.30 a.m. to noon Pacific Time, as we show you all about your barefoot rights and living a barefoot lifestyle. And for more information about the 501c3 nonprofit Barefoot is Legal, please check out barefootislegal.org. Food waste is one of the most easily solvable problems, literally the low-hanging fruit of environmentalism. Pardon the pun, it's my job. About 20% of all produce never makes it off the farm. It's because they just look a little funny, a little weird, but when you cut into it, it's perfectly good food. It's just a total shame. It's totally good stuff. We buy ugly produce directly from farms that often would go to waste because supermarkets won't buy it because of how it looks, and we deliver it to people's doors. standards for an apple. This isn't that ugly at all. Like that's the most common first box like complaint we get. We change that. We educate people. We show them how amazing these fruits and vegetables are. Have food delivered to your house. Box of produce every week. And it's more affordable. At a very reasonable price. Cheaper than the grocery store. I spend a lot less time in grocery stores. It's an adventure every time that you open your box. High quality produce. There's nothing wrong with the produce. And they taste exactly the same if not better. Save those fruits and vegetables that get wasted every year. And it's delivered to your door like. But what you why wouldn't you do? Why wouldn't you do? Please go to our website, freedomizerradio.live, and sign up for Imperfect Foods today. Use our promo code and get money off your first order. Go ahead and get some organic and all-natural meats, dairy, snacks, breads, and non-GMO produce. Of all the grounding studies... The one that really got our attention is called Electric Grounding Improves Vagal Tone in Preterm Infants. In the study, 26 premature babies in an NICU were connected to grounding wires. The heart rates of the grounded infants stabilized. And their vagal tone, a critical measure of infant health, increased by 67% with grounding. 
The information is provided for general informational purposes only. The contents are not intended or implied to be a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Ground Therapy Incorporated makes no representations about the efficiency, appropriateness, or suitability of any specific tests, procedures, treatments, services, opinions, healthcare providers, or other information that may be contained in or available through the information provided. Welcome back to the show, boys and girls. This is BNP delivering the truth about uh, about your finances, although we have been delivering the truth about the headlines. My name is Paul Dayton, and I'm joined by my co-host, Diana. Diana, are you with us? I am with you. It's so weird to get you on the switchboard, <laughs> but it's kind of nice, and I appreciate you giving me the money. No problem. It is so, easier to um, it is easier with your hands free uh, for sure. But hey, it's all good. Everything's cool. Uh, do you have any more headlines you'd like to get to, Diane? Yeah. Uh, well, I mean, when we were we were talking about the schools, and I guess um, Kathy Hochul, she's going to come and she's going to. They're doing and distributing now massive tests that are going to be going out. COVID tests that are going to be going out to the school. Um, so, you, you know, you kind of know where this is going, you know, that they're, they're, they're going to push this and, you know, there, there is a COVID vaccine, um, legislation could be passed. Um, even though it was dead last session, nothing in New York state is ever dead. I mean, for example, look at the quarantine thing, right? It's going to be happening next week. That bill, what did Bobby Ann say? That was 13, 12, or 13 years that it's been sitting there, even longer. And now all of a sudden it's an issue. So never let your guard down. Your kids are not safe in New York schools. I'll tell you that right now because they'll pull something. But, um, no, I don't, I don't think I have too much more. I mean, there's, there's <clears throat> we can go on for three hours about, about headlines, but I just like to update, uh, you know, mostly on the COVID and the vaccines. Uh, this week, because that's going to be an issue. The CDC is going to be purchasing like 20 million pediatric COVID-19 vaccines. And $1.8 million is what it's going to cost. So, um, you know, if you give your kid this vaccine, you're deaf, dumb, and stupid, and you should sign off this radio show right now. So anyway, Paul, no, no, we no, are... No, 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 no. We, we want you to listen to the show. We always like, I, I, I will, I will, okay, Diana can have that that opinion. I want to bring medicine to the sick myself. Like that's the very person I want to listen to the show. That's the very person I want to call us and give and tell, tell me. Uh, same thing. Like if you if you're for central planning and you think it's gonna, if you can name the mysterious, elusive one time in the history, the entirety of recorded human history, in which the promises of central planners, communists, socialists, wokeness, whatever you want to call it, American liberals, it's all the same in which those promises have actually, like, delivered uh, anything other than the opposite of their promises? Please enlighten me. Like, yeah, I, I would like to bring medicine to sick. So, um, well, yeah. in and see of any, not just the COVID vaccine or any vaccines, call in and we'll talk about that because I've been studying that for 15 years, and I can tell you um, you shouldn't give your kids that vaccine, maybe not even any of them. <laughs> So anyway, uh, let's get on to the yeah. part, topic of the show. Great. All right. So let's do it. Uh, many people know my first uh, my first book, Correcting Our Financial Miseducation. The first half of it is about personal finance, and the second half is about uh, larger financial issues. Of course, the two interconnect. But the point of the book was it's for everybody 
But his target demographic was like, I wanted it to be palatable to young people, young people defined as like 16 to 25 year olds, people just getting start making, started out making, you know, dealing with money, uh, making decisions that could or will impact them for some time. And so teaching them how to sort of be free uh, with their personal finances, because money is freedom to a large degree. And then the second half, of course, is how to not screw that up on election day, right? So to, to let's, to, let's think about these promises and think about their actual outcomes. So we have some material here and you can, uh, that I want to, I'll disseminate for free. Oh, by the way, if you'd like a free book, just email me on my website, pauldayton.us. We give out free books every week. If you want a free book, just give me your mailing address and you'll get a book. And it'll be as simple as that. All right. Mm -hmm. So let's discuss first. Let's discuss first, what is money? Uh, money is just a medium of exchange. Well, currency is a medium of exchange, but money is really anything of value. So in other words, like uh, a cow is money, right? Uh, a herd of cows is definitely money. Firearms, ammunition, that's money. Uh, gold, physical gold and silver are money. It's more than just the little pieces of paper that we use as currency. Uh, there's many other forms of money as well. You have preferred bonds, municipal bonds. You have stocks in private companies. Uh, you have real estate deeds. You have any contract. A contract is money, right? If you have a contract with somebody for employment, we'll say, and they violate that contract, you need to bring your money with you to the courtroom. That is, you need to bring your contract with you to the courtroom because that's your money. There are all different kinds of money. Uh, crops, you know, farmable land is, is, is money, uh, you know, so on and so forth. And with this new stuff that this electronic money, this internet money, I just want to give, uh, speak for a minute about that before we get into uh, the rest of it, which is, so this is uh, sort of a new thing. It was easily foreseeable. I mean, for decades, people predicted that there would eventually be internet money or electronic money. Uh, when we go back and look at the history of things, like, of course, people traded with goods for a while. Then they started using gold as sort of a medium of exchange, a medium of currency, though it was its own sort of form of money. Uh, that went on for a while. Then nations started coining their own money. The first counterfeiters, of course, were the – so when they started being regulated coinage in Europe, uh, I don't remember the year, a few, several hundred years ago, what people started to do was they would shave the edges of the coin just a little bit, just enough so that you couldn't detect it, and they collected the shavings, and eventually you'd have enough to make your own uh, another coin. That's sort of the first, uh, the first counterfeiting. But Internet money is definitely here to stay. It's definitely here to stay. To stay. However, what you have going on is you have something that's sort of like a gambling thing that's happening, sort of like people sell like sports picks like to the suckers, right? So what's the oldest sports bet scam in the book, right? You, you claim to be an expert. You claim to know the winners. You have people call you or contact you, and you tell half of them that one team's going to win, and you tell the other half that the other team's going to win, right? Half of them will win. You'll be right, according to half of them, and they'll come back to you, and you, maybe you do that again, and half of them will get the right answer, and then you start charging them money. This is sort of the similar thing that's going on with this, this, this Bitcoin, what they call it, all these different types mm -hmm. of coins are definitely not here to stay. Of course not. It's, it's similar to the oil bit, the oil industry, which we discussed earlier. So when you first saw like, oil getting drilled and it started getting used for things like kerosene, then they started making gasoline, all these other byproducts, lubricants, uh, you know, stuff for your skin, all, all this other stuff they made out of this oil, it was clear that oil was here to stay. However, oil plots, land plots were sold 
the amount of land plots that were sold to prospectors who hoped that there would be oil there vastly outnumbers the amount of, of, of those that actually struck oil, right? That, that, so that is for every, I don't know the right number, let's say for every five dozen plots that were sold, land plots that were sold purporting to, to contain oil that were going to make you rich because oil is here to stay, you know, maybe one of them actually paid off. So just because the industry is here to stay does not mean, so just because electronic money is here to stay does not mean that that particular, you know, thing that somebody is selling as, you know, Bitcoin A, Bitcoin B, Bitcoin C, whatever they're called. So just understand the difference. Those individual things are most likely not going to stay. You're most likely going to, I mean, you're, more, you're basically just gambling. You're putting $1,000 on black in Vegas or whatever you're putting on it. Um, so that's an important difference. Like, this money is definitely here to stay, but don't be, don't, don't, don't confuse that to me. That every single one of these forms of electronic money is here to stay. And when somebody tells you, and I'll get Diana's uh, thoughts on this, when somebody tells you that you need to get, so, so they, they, this is how this lie goes. I've seen this for a few years. So that they tell you that, you know, internet money is here to stay, which is true. You need you. It's going to be the currency of the masses, which may be true. I mean, that that may it may replace it. We can talk about whether that's good or bad, but that that may also be true. Well, then I mean, they I tell you. Oh, sorry. Oh, I'm sorry. Tom, I didn't mean to interrupt. Sorry, just back to me there. I'm gonna, you know, I'm gonna yeah, I'm gonna finish. Today's... I'm gonna finish this. <laughs> Diana, let me finish this, and I want to hear what you have to say. So yeah, go ahead. So so, so that's, it's true that we have electronic money. It's true that it may be the sort of currency that the masses going forward, instead of paper currency and checks and things. Fine. When they tell you you need to get on the ground floor of it because it's going up, so first of all, it's so volatile in value. And number two, you won't be able to afford it later once the value skyrockets. That is where an alarm bell should go off in your mind out there. That this two and two does not make four. If it's supposed to be the currency of the masses and everybody can use it for everything, then why would it, well, how could it possibly be so incredibly expensive to get your hands on any of it? Yeah. In the second place, in the second place, if it's so incredibly volatile, why on earth, like, so, so that it's literally, like, tripling and quadrupling in the course of hours and then, like, going down below where it was the next day and now it's up 100 times next week, and that is not going to be the reserve currency. You have to know better than that out there. This is obviously a ruse. Uh, over to you, Diana. Yeah, and, you know, you are talking about the, the, not just the digital currency, but, well, I mean, when you look at things like PayPal, Venmo, you know, they have all of these apps now where you could pay people almost instantaneously, you know, and, 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 and it does make it, it does make it easier. But it also, you know, it also gives the government a way to track everything you're doing. You know, they have these apps where you could submit your receipts and get points for your receipts. And, and, you know, when you do these things, you're, you're basically telling everybody you're junk, right, when you're, you're posting the receipts of what you buy, or, you know, at, at, you, you, know you, went to, you went to BJ's and you got a whole bunch of stuff and then you put the receipt on this app and then, you know, everything comes up there. So, you know, we already know there's no sense of privacy anymore for the most part. And, you know, a lot of this stuff has, has, has you know, that, that's why. You know, but people want, you know, they don't pay cash anymore. You know, I had somebody tell me the other day, um, no, I, I, I never use cash anymore. I only use, you know, Venmo or, you know, whatever it is. I mean, nobody writes checks anymore. 
You know, I mean, who mails their bills, right? I mean, I don't even mail my bills. I'm not doing that. I'm not paying. I don't even know what a stamp is nowadays. What is it, 60, 65 cents? I'm not going to pay 65 cents to mail a bill in. You know, I just pay it online or have it automatically taken out. So, yeah, the digital currency, digital exchange of monies, it does make things easier um, in a lot of ways. But then in a lot of other ways, um, if you don't have any paper money with you and the whole system crashes or goes down, you know, there's going to be a problem. So I think we're, I think we've become too reliant on that. You know, in the old days, you'd go to the store, you whip out a $20 bill, you pay. Now, if you went to the store with a $20 bill, you're not going to get a bag of carrots. But you, you understand what I'm saying. I do. Oh, I certainly do. And I, well, I would like to point out, take it a step further, that in the case that when you say the system, uh, like, let's say there's a real problem. Like a mate, not not just like, hey, the machine that processes your transactions don't work now because we're mad at you or we're testing what you're going to do, which, by the way, has happened in real life with real people and real money. I can think of oh, yeah. uh, in uh, Eastern Europe, it was either in Greece or near Greece. I think it was a smaller country than that even. The year would have been circa 2010, and they did they did a test run on the banks. What they did was they told everybody, Hey, listen, uh, starting next week, or next week there's going to be a vote in, like, their parliament or whatever they call it, their their congress, whatever, whatever they call it. And uh, depending on how that goes, you may or may not uh, be forbidden from taking your money out of the bank uh, going forward. And so, right. of course, what, what do you expect to ensue during the week before the vote, right? Of course, everybody, there's a run on the bank. Everybody wanted their money out. And so, of course, then the machines didn't work, and you, they were told that there were, there were quotas and rationing and all this stuff. Um, and so, I mean, this is definitely true. But, but if there was a situation in which, say, like the government failed, the dollar was bad, right, your paper money isn't going to help you. And that's part of the resistance there was in this country for a long time uh, to even, like, dealing in paper money. Or Some people, many people would only keep enough cash, like paper money around just to sort of settle their monthly bills and not much more because they didn't trust it because they knew that if you know if they ever said, hey, listen, we're not taking those anymore or it's traded at discount, which has happened in this country several times. I cover four episodes like that in my first book. Um, so they, they liked real money. See, the truth is that beginning with the established, so, so starting after the American Civil War, you had resumption of, uh, of re, uh, the resumption of redeeming currency for specie that occurred, I believe, in 1870, give or take. I think it's 1870 off the top of my head. So what that means is, and people might be, might be shocked to learn this, you could take your paper bill to, to the bank and, take, and walk away with silver or gold. Uh, was, they were redeemable in specie, silver or gold. Uh, that went on for a while. It was, part, it was partly done to entice people to take the paper. Like, hey, listen, we know it's not real money. We know it's just kind of pretend. It's, you know, physical gold and silver are real money, in addition to the other kinds of money we spoke of, like livestock and guns and ammo and so forth. But if you take mm-hmm. the paper, we, we, we will let you trade it back to us for real money. We will let you trade it back to us for physical silver and gold. And that was an important development in the uh, the in the post-Civil War uh, recovery, the resumption. And by the way, the second, the fourth quarter of the 19th century in the United States was one of the most prosperous periods, fueled largely by the gold, oil and gas boom and standard oil, by the way, uplifting so many out of poverty, 
that they say, you know, sentenced so many to poverty because based on no evidence. So that happened. And then in 1913, you have the establishment of the Fed in the United States, the Federal Reserve Bank, which is an entity uh, outside the jurisdiction of proper government channels. You can say that's good or that, that it's bad. It's a private bank. Ever since that moment in time, 1913, U.S. dollars have been created by U.S. debt. The Federal Reserve, which has no reserves of its own to begin with, creates money out of thin air backed by nothing other than their legal authority to do so, and the federal government's willingness to enforce law stating that it's illegal not to accept the currency. So let's just pause on that. Let's meditate on that briefly, how insulting this scam is. So it's the Federal Reserve. Right. Imagine, imagine they had a safe, like a bank. You ever watch a movie, like especially like a movie set in like the 19th century or earlier, where there's like the bank and there's that big black vault, right? The bank vault uh, sitting there safe. So they have this reserve, they have this safe, but there's nothing in the safe. So the safe is filled with the quote reserves or the Federal Reserves. Except for you open the safe and it's empty. So what do they do? The federal government, the Treasury, prints up a bunch of Treasury notes. Those are IOU. Right, treasury notes. So the this federal treasury says that they will pay back the person uh, this money plus the interest at a specific date. The Federal Reserve takes those freshly printed treasury notes and puts them in the vault, and then they go and issue that that permits the uh, the treasury to issue paper currency uh, using those using the U.S.'s own debt as the as the reserve upon which. They're, they're, they're issuing the currency. Now, under the gold, I hope that's not too confusing for you. If I compare it to the gold standard, there had to be a certain amount of gold in the treasury, okay? And then, and then banks were told, or there was a law stating that you could issue a multiple of the gold. So, in other words, if you had a million dollars worth of gold and the, the uh, stated ratio was six to one, then that is, that is cash to reserves then the bank could have $6 million in, in paper bills out there. So that, and I'm going to point this out, not that people are not intelligent, it was always true that if everybody redeemed all their paper for gold, it would never work. It would never work. That's called reserve, it's called fractional reserve lending, in which you keep a fraction of the reserve on hand, and then you lend and create money based, you know, so that it's like a multiplier effect to the money system. This, then they went off the gold standard, of course, uh, during the Nixon administration, and now we just have this. So take, take, take the Internet money, right? Like the Internet money is like, they, it's almost limitless, right? So the, 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 the government should not have to force you and twist your arm to take money if it's real money. That's a confession mm -hmm. by the government. So that is, it's imprisonable. It's, you'll face fines and imprisonment if you refuse to accept U.S. legal tender today as, as payment. For, for whatever it is. They will come and prosecute you. Nobody has to twist your arm to take real money. And lastly, I just want to point out to, uh, to people that this is interesting courtroom exchange. It's very brief. Uh, in uh, 1900 and, uh, excuse me, after the, um, the, the Depression and all that happens. Uh, so they get this banker, uh, Mariner Rackles, and they get him in front of the Congress. And they're all investigating what happened, and, you know, blaming everybody other than the New Dealers and the Congress, of course, and blaming everyone other than the Fed. And so the bankers, so so so, so there's a, a congressman named Wright Patman, and he has this banker, Mariner Eccles, uh, who was serving on the Fed board during that period, 
of the great failure of socialism, the Great Depression, and they had him on the stand in the Congress. He says, hey, the congressman asked, how did the Fed acquire the money to make their purchases of the, of the, of the uh, government bonds? Eccles, we created it. Patman, out of what? Eccles, out of the right to issue credit money. Patman, and there is nothing behind it, is there, except for the government's credit. Eccles, that is what our money system is. If there were no debts in our money system, there wouldn't be any money. Over to you, Diana. Diana, are you in? Sorry. I was on mute. I'm like, how come you can't hear me? <laughs> I, Your I got nothing. I got, got nothing. nothing. I'm just listening. Okay, that's fine. Uh, so that's so now we've talked about what is money. So so the whole point of all of this is number one, beware the uh, scammers in the electronic money market. Uh, that's you know just because electronic money money is here to stay, don't be suckered into it. You are gambling just like you're in Vegas if you're buying any of that stuff. Number two, it's not unique to internet money. So so don't be in love with currency, right? There are better forms of money than currency. And so that's part of what I'm going to sort of transition into the 401k and, and retirement saving from there and just start, sort of point out that the 401k plan or an IRA, which is an individual retirement account, they both have similar rules. One of them, the 401k plan is for when you have an employer who is, uh, you know, paying into it uh, to some degree or matching your contributions or whatever. Uh, the second one is for somebody who just is not employed elsewhere. They have their own individual retirement account. Uh, you can have a Roth of either or a traditional of either. The difference between a Roth and a traditional, of course, are that the Roth, you pay, uh, you pay taxes on the income up front. That is this year, you pay your income taxes. However, when you withdraw it, as long as you wait until they say it's okay to take it out, which presently I think is 59 and a half years of age, the year you turn 59 and a half. But of course, they can always keep elevating that and elevating that the way they're doing this Security, saying you can't have what's supposed to be your own money. Um, so that that's a good. So that when you take it out at that time, the Roth is uh, is is not taxed. is taxed at that time. However, so that in other words, that's a good strategy for somebody who's a relatively low income person. You know, so now you have a traditional IRA or a traditional 401k, and you're in a higher income tax bracket. When you put your, make your contributions, you, you, you get to write off that tax money this year, okay? Uh, it's a tax deduction this year. But when you take it out later, you'll be taxed at whatever bracket you're in at that time. So in other words, if your income is 100000 this year, just to make a round number, you're in a higher tax bracket, uh, and you contribute 10000 to your traditional uh, 401k or IRA, then you get to have a $10,000 tax write-off. You don't have to pay the income tax at the high rate this year. However, when you take it out in whatever your time comes to take it out, if you only withdraw it at a rate of, say, 30000 a year in today's money, you'll be in a much lower bracket. And so when you take it out, you'll pay income tax, but only on you know the $30,000 bracket as opposed to the $100,000 bracket. So that's the point of those two things. And they're not the worst things you can do. However, if you really want – I call it the never-going-to-retire account because when you put money in there, it's trapped. And you're limited to only three choices. You can have stocks, bonds, or cash, and that's it. Now, when you only have, say, you know, 20,000, even 10,000 or less in there, 20,000 or less in there, that probably doesn't sound like that big of a deal. But people start to have 
uh, more money, like a six-figure number in there, with a crooked number sometimes in the front of it. Sometimes a seven-figure number in there. And they're still limited to stocks, bonds, and cash, which are terrible at long-term growth, are terrible at uh, yield, at, at making paychecks. And um, uh, they're really just not that good. It's sort of like going into the hardware store. You ever walk to those big hardware stores where it's like in a giant warehouse as opposed to like your mom and pop hardware store, the big hardware store. They have everything. They have 800 kinds of like bolts. And you're limited to a stick of Elmer's glue, a ball-peen hammer, and a flathead screwdriver. And you can do a lot of things with those three tools. I'm not saying those are bad tools. You can do stuff with them. But as time goes on, you're still just limited to the ball-peen hammer, the flathead screwdriver, and the tube of Elmer's glue. Right. Eventually, if you want to make better progress with your home improvement or your building, you need better tools, right? You need to get, like, they have power drills that comes with, like, 80 different drill bits. They have, you know, jackhammers, and they have, you know, excavating equipment, and on and on it goes. So the bad thing about the 401k, why I call it the never, never going to retire account, is it limits you, and I give you a money chart in my first book. There's a money chart at the end of the What is Money uh, chapter. And it gives you, I don't know, a dozen or so different types of money. And it shows what they're good and what they're bad at. Uh, categories like nominal price stability, protection against inflation, nominal return on investment, total return on investment, uh, liquidity, risk of total loss, and a few other categories. Bonds and cash are horrible protection. I mean, they rate for, cash is the worst protection against inflation. Cash is the only guaranteed loser in the variety of the money types. Why? It doesn't pay any dividends, number one. There's no yield on it. And number two, all it does is you're guaranteed to lose money. It will lose through inflation. Even if inflation is only at like 1%, you're still going to lose that 1%, right? It's your guaranteed loser. It's only, it's only strengths are it's easy to spend today, which sometimes is a strength and a weakness, right? I call cash the donuts of, of the types of money, right? Because it's easy, it's easy to overconsume it, and overconsumption uh, leads to lengthy periods of regret. Right. Uh, so cash is terrible at that. Stocks do okay to protect against inflation in the long term, but they don't pay that well. And number two, even if you found a stock that paid pretty well, it's usually going to be in a volatile company so that now you're trading off your sort of risk of loss with your desire for cash flow in a way that's very risky and very dangerous. Uh, so that the, the end of the story is, even if you made, good paychecks out of it, you could still never actually collect the paycheck. So in other words, the way the 401k or retirement account, where they work, it's not that you have to leave the principal in there, but you can harvest the yield for yourself. It must all remain locked in that little prison in there so that you can never, ever buy your, it doesn't make any grocery money. Positive cash flow, I, I tell people just grocery money because that puts them to the, a way that they can sort of grab, sink their teeth into it. You can't buy any groceries with any of that. You can't pay your car insurance. You can't, you can't do any of these things that make you independent of your employer. It's all stuck in We're at the bottom of the hour. Diane, oh, I know you have something to say. It's wonderful. The audience will, will hear Diana uh, tell me all why I'm right or why I'm wrong. In about two minutes when we get back, it's 8.30 Eastern here. You're listening to DNP and hang tight. Thanks, guys. Just as ungrounded signals wreak havoc on radio communications, there's growing concern that because we are not grounded, we absorb tremendous amounts of electromagnetic radiation from our modern devices. EMF 
stands for electromagnetic field. We are all immersed in electromagnetic fields from Wi-Fi, from the wiring in our homes, and it disturbs our electrical balance. We get charged inside of our bodies. We get electrically charged. Some people have as much as 20 volts on their bodies, and that's not good for you. The information is provided for general informational purposes only. The contents are not intended or implied to be a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Ground Therapy Incorporated makes no representations about the efficiency, appropriateness, or suitability of any specific tests, procedures, treatments, services, opinions, healthcare providers, or other information that may be contained in or available through the information provided. Looking for something different? Looking for something fun? Join Dan every Monday on the Freedomizer Network, 9 to 10.30 Pacific, noon to 1.30 Eastern, for Common Sense with the educated redneck, Dan Ellison. The show about everything and nothing at all. Okay, folks, welcome back to the show. This is DNP. Uh, I'm Paul, and I'm here with Diana. Diana, are you with us? I am here. Diana, is that... Oh, you are very well. Okay, go ahead. I'm sorry to cut you. We got cut off by the bottom of the hour there. Uh, do you have any, any thoughts about what we were saying about the 401k plan there? Yeah. So I'll get an Evan word in edgewise, right? No, I'm just joking, Paul. No, I just <laughs> I was just thinking about the 401k. I mean, a lot of people have taken put some pretty hard hits on their 401k the last two to three years, you know, their, or their stocks and their bonds. So uh, unless you have gold or silver, which, you know, is a pretty good investment, but, um, you know, some people still prefer cash though. You know, some people still prefer the paper money and, you know, and they don't want the government to know what they're doing on their every step. And I'm going to say that again with, you know, we're talking about the digital currency and, you know, all these apps where they they can be easily tracked. People want to, you know, you go for, you know, a massage. I mean, your massage therapist would rather you pay cash under the table, you know, and, and I feel like that, you know, that's kind of an entity that's, that's getting lost, um, you know, but, but, it, but it's important. I mean, Big Brother watches everything you do. So I say if you want to pay cash under the table, screw it, do it, you know, if you could still do it. That's just my take on it. Well, that's all right. I mean, we're not condoning any kind of illegal activity, by the way. We're just stating that if somebody does it, we're uh, we're not going to turn you in. So it's still meant to be, you know, a little bit controversial, a little bit, you know, uh, you know, off the off the charts there. So you know, anything's open here. This isn't a censored platform. So we're gonna we're gonna lay it out like it is. People, if you want to pay cash and under the table, and so what? You know, the, the government cheats us enough. Why not just once in a while if somebody wants cash and they don't want to write it? It's not my problem what you do. But if I pay somebody cash, they could do what they want with it. I paid for my I paid for my visit. So. But, yeah, I, you know, right I, I am here. A lot of people are getting, you know, they're getting hit pretty hard 
uh, with their stocks and their 401k as far as losing money on them. So, you know, I don't know where that's going to go to, um, especially over this next year. Um, you know, it, it's a pretty sticky situation for a lot of people. They're losing a lot of money. A lot of people have cashed them in because um, because they've lost so much money, you know, and used the money towards other things. Well, I don't doubt that. And before we uh, discuss, I'm going to tell everyone a little, well, truth about the historical um, the historical yield on the S&P 500 and the Dow Jones, uh, which uh, and why you shouldn't take it seriously because an important uh, a couple of important changes that happened along the way. Before we do that, uh, so yeah, when people are so in terms of your immediate needs, if you want to pay cash, that's fine. But I'm, in terms of long-term saving or what they call retirement saving, um, you know, you should use cash for what you need on hand. But anything more than three months worth, certainly six months worth of expenses, for most people is plenty. I mean, that's that's too much if you have more than that. More than that, just in cash, uh, you really need to get your money. It's best to get your money doing something that is better than cash. That will, because again, cash in the long haul does lose its value. If you put a, if you put ten hundred dollar bills in a shoebox in your closet, we'll say today. You come back yeah, whenever you want, 10 years, one decade, and you come back and you say, hey, I didn't lose any money. I didn't lose any money. You pull out your shoebox with a, with a smile from ear to ear. Say, I didn't lose a thing. You pull out your shoebox. You pull out your $1,000 bills, one, two, three, five, nine, ten. See, they're all here. Uh, and then, of course, the trouble with that is you take them out into the world, and your 1000 bucks doesn't buy after 10 years what your 1000 bucks bought at the beginning of the 10 years. Right, his purchasing not, power has been. Look at the difference of the, just the prices of groceries in one year. So if you took that hundred dollar bill a year ago, you would have probably gotten you know a bag more of groceries than you do now. Well, it's so true, and we're in a we're in a period of of, of higher, much higher inflation than that to which we've been accustomed since, well, the the mid eighties. When we had uh, the Fed finally change their policy under Paul Volcker uh, during Dutch Reagan's first term, uh, Milton Friedman often praises Reagan for his, although, the, see, it's supposed to be, the Fed is supposed to be a separate entity, but they're all human beings. They all work there. Um, there is an amount of, you know, personal, there's an amount of inter commingling uh, that goes on. But Dutch Reagan didn't put any pressure on them to, to uh you know, do issue any kind of like new money or anything. He wrote it out as a midterm of his first term. So he's basically running just like every president, but the second half of his first term running for his second term. He he let it out. He was getting terrible headlines. Numbers was, were bad, but that was what needed to be done. And finally it, it, it fixed itself. They stopped putting these band-aids on it. They let it heal. And we ran into, we unleashed this good period of low inflation. I mean, inflation was a serious problem in this country for like 25 years prior to that. Uh, certainly 20 years. And so then it unleashed this period of, I mean, 40 years, we'll say, to make a rough number, until they intentionally created the present inflation that we're having now. Uh, it's a real, I mean, it, it's not that, there there are people in the Fed who, who, it's supposed to be a separate entity, but there is some commingling going on. And so with inflation, especially in a high inflation period, much higher than that we've been accustomed uh, I think a lot of people are going to be looking for ways to protect their money. And so that cash, like I said, I mean, cash in the immediate term is wonderful, but in the long term, you need to do something else. Um, and in terms of 401k balances and people panicking, you know, 
unless you're planning on being 59 and a half, if that's still the number, uh, in the next like five years or fewer, I mean, who cares? You, you shouldn't be investing in stocks. You shouldn't. If, if you're not planning on touching the money for 20 years or longer, if things went down, you know, the only market in which people don't like to shop when things are on sale is the New York Stock Exchange. If, you, if you're not, you know, if you're 25, 35, 40 years old and you're like, oh, my God, my 401k balance, they're killing my money. You're not going to use that money anytime soon. You don't use it to pay your bills. I just went over how you can't even take the yields from it to pay, to do anything. It's all trapped in there. If you're not supposed to touch it for 20 years, I mean, if anything, buy some more now. That's an illegitimate complaint. When people make that kind of complaint, it's an empty-headed complaint. I don't take it seriously for, for those reasons. I, I always tell the person, like, what, what's the problem? The money you weren't going to use for 20 years is going to not be used by you for 20 years? And so what? Uh, so these people are panicking. These people also could be panicking. Their television might be motivating them to panic. Uh, now, there are some people who run into hardship, and they run out of cash outside of it, and they need to cash it in early, and that's a different story. But if you're planning yeah. on you know, leaving it in there, then you know, leave it in there. If, they, if things are down and you like your investment plan, go buy some more. Don't cash it in uh, is what the person it's should fine. do. And it, go ahead, then. Please. No. <laughs> Cashing it in? Well, I want to tell you about Well, I want to caution people briefly about uh, when you look at, when you do your research out there, and if you decide you want to buy stocks, uh, or if you decide you want to, particularly inside of of what's called a retirement account, uh, the 401k or the IRA, uh, when you see the total return, this happened to me, I said, well, the total return is a number. But the trouble is the total return goes back far before the year 1990. See, during the 90s, there were important changes that happened. Number one was you had Greenspan at the Fed, and and so that uh, interest rates stayed down, money issuances were down, which which part, which was a big factor in our sort of steady uh, lack of inflation, I guess is, is the word for it, the steady value of the dollar, the relatively steady value of the dollar during that period. The other thing that happened was the dot com the dot-comers, the dot-com became a bubble. But what these internet companies or tech companies, what they started doing is, so they started being really volatile. Uh, people were, you know, made made it made overnight and ruined overnight, uh, so to speak. Uh, it's kind of like the internet money thing is now. So that, yes, the internet was here to stay, but every single one of these internet companies was definitely not here to stay. It was, it was actually quite analogous to what we, the lesson we were teaching before about, about the internet money and the Bitcoin. Things. Is electronic money here? Electronic money here to stay? Yes. Is every single one of those individual little electronic coins here to stay? Absolutely not. Of course not. And so, but what happened is because people, because these tech company stocks were paying, you know, offered the potential and were delivering on these high returns in stock value, share value, they realized they didn't really have to offer a yield or a dividend. People who were going to buy stocks or, or lend money to their company by buying shares of their company's stock were doing it because of they wanted the, the appreciation of the price, of the stock price, and so that the yield was not necessary. And across the board, yields were reduced. Uh, real quick, clear here, between the years 1871 and 1960, okay, so for three quarters of a century, the yield of the index was never below 3%, while being about 5% in, uh, in 45 of those years, so about two-thirds of wow. those years. 
From 61 to 90, the overall dividend for the index was below 3% only for five years, and moreover averaged 4.03% from 1970 to 1990. 1991 began a new era for the yield as it averaged just 1.9% for years 91 to 2007. It was 3.11% in 2008 when we had the financial problem, the 08 collapse, when a lot of bad things happened, including bailouts. Uh, so that happened. So they had to sort of increase to offer, uh, to incentivize people to buy shares. Companies had to offer higher yields. But that went right back down the next year. It went back down to 1.97, so basically 2%, from 2009 to 2019. So what does this mean? This means that basically uh, the, the index was paying 5% or better most of the time from 1871 to uh, 1960. Uh, 3% was a bad year. For the next period, uh, up until 1990, it was basically 4%. Uh, on average. Since then, it's been 2%. So the historical yield on the S&P or the Dow Jones might give you a high number, but the pertinent number, the number that affects you today, the buyer today, is it's really a 2% historical yield. And that's not very good, I must say. Like, there are better things you can do with your money. If you're putting, see, most people, the sort of bar for the average in personal finance is to have more or less all their money in the equity in their single family home on the one hand and their 401k yeah. account on the other hand. And that's pretty much it. So if you're tracked in that 401k, I mean, bonds aren't doing any better for, for you and cash is the worst. You can only buy stocks, bonds, or cash. So if you get outside of that and say, talk about, you know, something like real estate, which people can buy, it doesn't have to be real estate, any kind of small business. But one reason to focus on real estate is because we have aggregate data so in other words, it's hard to ha accumulate uh, accumulate data that's reliable for, let's say, like a landscaping business or, you know, I don't know, a donut shop or something else. Mm -hmm. uh, because they're all independent small businesses and they all keep their own books. Um, and so that you don't really, you can't really compile this data as well. Whereas with real estate, you can see house prices, you know, across the board, you can compile aggregate data. Um, and so it's just easier to, to show it, rent, 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 the prices of rents impact enough people that, you know, it's reported and you can find data. So it's not that real estate, it has to be real estate. It's just that for real estate, it's not bad, number one. Number two, we have the, the information. So you cannot buy real estate inside your 401k, by the way. By the way. So if you have half a million dollars in there, you want to buy up, you know, use 20% down or 100% cash purchases uh, of, some, of some real estate so you can make some money, some cash flow positive uh, investors charge rents, either commercial tenants or, or residential tenants, and try to make money that way, crushing anything you can do with the stock market. You can't do it. You, you're, you're forbidden. You can't buy gold and silver. You can buy stocks, but you can't actually buy paper or physical, you know, physical gold and silver and so forth. So we talk about real estate real briefly. We're going to have Samantha Knight Hansen on our show, who, by the way, is a, uh, an active realtor, and she's going to be on our show in a couple of weeks. Uh, which would be cool yeah. to spend a lot of time on this there. But briefly, you know, buy some. Mm -hmm. Oh, go ahead. Yeah, I was going to say the show with the realtor, that's going to be a good one considering the way that the housing market is right now. Obviously, we know the rates are the highest they've pretty much ever been, um, you know, recently anyway. And, um, you know, the, <laughs> the, the, the bubble on the 
on the housing market is, I mean, it's, it's, it's just crazy what's going on in the housing market. So I'm looking forward to that show. Yeah, me too. Uh, it should be a good show. And I think, well, when you talk about a perspective bubble, people have been talking about that for a while. A bubble usually just means, by the way, that there's an overinflated um, price of things. Let's say real estate in this case. It was a tech bubble before, right? They're just overinflated the, the, the value of these companies, largely because of speculators in the dot-com bubble case, in the case of the dot-com yeah. bubble. Um, but with this real estate, see, uh, people are, are, are fleeing from cash. Like when the shutdowns were happening in 2020, people people were, you know, whatever, people were, were talking, discussing things. I, I remarked to them, I said, why is it surprising to you that people, like, the inflation is coming. The, the, two, the, two, the recipe for inflation is, so inflation is when you have too many dollars uh, and not enough people chasing them, not enough products, goods, and services chasing them, but there's an excess of money and the money loses the currency and the currency loses value. That's basically what happens. That's, that's sort of a simple of inflation. So when you had the shutdowns of 2020, and you had on the one hand, for the for forbidding of production in many states, including the states with some of the biggest cities in California, in New York, in Illinois, right? You have the for, they're basically forbidding production on the one hand, and on the other hand, they're skyrocketing the supply of money. If you're out there, if you're out there listening to this, just look up M, so M like money, two, like the number two, M2, money supply, United States. It'll take you to the Fed's website, and you can see their chart. When you go to, historically, when you go and look at the first two world wars, which I have, I have them in a, te- a great book, a textbook that I have uh, by Milton Friedman called The Monetary History of the United States which I recommend to anybody if you're a person out there that says, hey, what are like five books or less that you would recommend that are just like rock star books? You're a person can learn a ton of money from it. That's when I always get that thing's a monster. If you're reading it sort of part-time, it'll take you two or three years to read. It's filled with charts, proof, and evidence. It's what, uh, it's how they uh, illustrated that the Fed caused the Great de- Deflation, the Great Depression, uh, and then the New Dealers exacerbated it. I mean, proof. They went in and they proved it. Milton Friedman won the prize, Nobel Prize, I think. Uh, so that's a great book. But anyway, if you look at the money supply inflation during the first two world wars, they're like the bunny hills, to use a skiing analogy, whereas the COVID monster inflation, that increase, it's like an 80-degree angle. It's, it's Mount Everest. They're, 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 so anyway, as this was being clearly, they're, they're creating inflation. Unless they were orchestrating a third world war in which all the bonds would not fall in the United States, like happened in the Second World War, and that's what saved the U.S.'s ass from major inflation afterwards, because the U.S. was was good for 50% of GDP for a while after that. They could produce, so, so in other words, you had enough good services and so forth to consume the dollar, so there was not massive inflation, because all the bombs fell on the factories in Europe and Japan. So that saved the U.S.'s ass in that case. Unless that happens again this time, I said in 2020, and I hope that it doesn't, there's going to be massive inflation. So for people to flee from cash and into like real estate and gold is is obvious and not surprising. So that because with, with prices up, I'm not so sure we're going to see a big crash across the board, but we'll see. I mean, Diana has a different idea about it. I don't have a crystal ball. Uh, just for that reason, it seems to be sound reasons that people are fleeing to real estate. And that would, uh, yeah. because of the increase in demand, would no, no doubt create a short-term rise in prices. But in other words, if you're sitting out there today saying, hey, the $200,000 house I want to buy in my town, I'm going to wait for it to be $30,000 in, in a year because it's going to crash, don't hold your breath. 
figure out another plan is my advice uh, about that. But just real quickly, there are three components uh, to consider in your return compared to the 401k, stocks, bonds, and cash. In real estate, those three are, number one, asset appreciation. Now, real estate in the United States, historically, uh, uh, in an aggregate way, so in a national average kind of a way, uh, holds its price increases in concert, more or less, with the Dow Jones Industrial Average. That is the 10% uh, principal return. Before we were discussing the yield or the dividend, when we are talking about those percentages, I'm talking about principal value, the value of the stock itself. That has gone up at approximately a 10% rate when you look at it over decades, and so has real estate. So you're equal to the, to the stock market in that way when you compare the two. Number two, the second thing you have is cash flow. So that's the amount of money you're collecting uh, from the property, whether the commercial tenants or residential tenants, last year expenses. And the third element is, that, is debt equity. So that is every time you pay your, like if you have a car payment or a mortgage payment, or a student loan payment, or a personal loan, or whatever it is, every time, or a credit card, every time you make a payment, an amount, so let's say you pay $200, let's say you make a $200 payment. Mm-hmm. An amount of them, we'll say, and we'll, we'll say uh, $50 goes to interest, and $150 goes to pay principal towards the amount you actually owe, reduces the amount you actually owe. So in that case, the person would have done $150 worth of debt equity. That's, that's reducing your, the amount that you owe. So your balance sheet has the assets in the one column and the liabilities in the other. So your liabilities column is reduced by $150, thereby making you more wealthy by $150, right? So those are the three factors that you have. So when you have your, your principal rising in concert with the Dow Jones Industrial Average over time, so that's a tie, the cash flow or yield, is much better than the 2% you can expect to get from the yield on the, on your stock, on the Dow Jones, on your S&P 500, right? It crushes it. If you call your rent checks and dividend checks and do a percentage based on that, I mean, it, it crush, it's much better than 2%, I promise. And in the third case, you have your debt equity, which you don't have in the case of the, um, of the stock portfolio. So you're making more money. You're able to buy groceries in the immediate term. You don't have to have it inside your 401k. You can sell real estate and buy another piece, as long as it's more real estate, free of of capital gains tax, as long as you just turn it into more real estate so you can keep rolling it over uh, over the course of until you retire for for longer. Um, It is superior, vastly superior, to anything you can do inside your 401k. And you don't frankly need that much money to get get started. The first-time home purchase uh, you usually need three to five percent down. The average home price in the United States in 2020, I know, is about 250,000. So that if you mm-hmm. had three to five percent, it's a reasonable thing for people to do. So once you get your 10 or 20 grand together, instead of being stuck in stock bonds and cash, you have other doors open to you, other aisles of the hardware store are open to you. To stick with our analogy, unless you're stuck inside your 401k or IRA. And it doesn't have to just be real estate. It could be lots of other things, a nail salon, out of a a room in in the back of your house. It could be, or you could run a place in a strip mall somewhere, or you could, I mean, on and on it goes. The the opportunities are are boundless outside the 401k or restricted within the 401k. And people can, uh, we're running out of show here. We only have a few minutes left. I'll throw it over to Diana, see if she has anything she wants to add for us. 
Yeah. Well, no, not really. I mean, I, I guess what I really would like for me, for people to remember is when you die, you can't take it with you. I never saw anybody with a U-Haul behind them, so keep that in mind. Money's not everything. I mean, it helps, but it's not everything. So I know I know millionaires, and they have literally no personality. So whatever. But, um, yeah, so next week, I, I kind of bring up the shows. Do we have a guest next week? Let me see. What do we have going on here? Uh, the 28th, Diane Sarah. Uh, so next week, I think we're going to be, unless I could find a last-minute guest, we'll just be uh, talking about current events for next week. Current happening. It doesn't sound so bad to me. I, I mean, we'll be back next week. We don't have a guest schedule now, which is fine. We'll do the show if we haven't got one. If, if one pops up, then we'll be here with them. But, yeah, we'll be back next week. And we do have good guests coming up. We have Diane Sayre coming up. She's running for office in New York State. We got Samantha Knight Hanson, who I mentioned. She's going to be here, I think, in two weeks uh, to talk to us about real estate. She's a realtor, and she's going to talk to you for advice about how to sell your house or what to look for when buying a house. Should you continue renting? Should you hold out and wait for prices to drop? She'll have thoughts about all of that. And so you can check all that out. You can hear all the episodes of our show, DNT. It's available on iHeart, but you can also go to pauldayton.com, my website, and click on the archived episodes of DMP page, where you can find every episode of the show, including a teaser, what to expect, and, and uh, so hopefully that'll be easy for people to do. Diana, of course, has uh, hopehealth.thegoodinside.com, wherein you can find all kinds of very um, well important and healthy uh, supplements and things you can take uh, to help live a healthier life. And um, we're here to help. And by the way, thank you, everybody who has listened to us. I really do want to express my gratitude again. There's, there's a lot of things to do. There's a lot of choices out there. And I'm grateful. And I thank, I know Diana does too. We all, we thank every person who devotes any of their attention to what we're doing out of this crowded market. Uh, thank you very much for listening. Yep. Okay. Very good. So um, thanks, for, thanks for the show, Paul. <laughs> I learned a lot. Interesting stuff. So um, D&D, delivering the truth and exposing the lies. Everybody have a good night. Have a good week. Be good to each other. And we will see you next week. With Lucky Land Plus, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, We've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.